Welcome to Americana Quill, writer to writer. Please like and subscribe and tell a friend that likes to subscribe. This week, my guest is a writer of music. He's a, a artist who has released songs on YouTube and Spotify, a few of them being with his brothers, El Jefe, One of One, as well as I Will Not Let You Down. He's an entrepreneur who created a media company called HBilly Media, where he helps cultivate some great quality videos in different mediums such as film, in the corporate sector, as well as music videos, ladies and gentlemen, Humberto Ona, also known as H. Billy. How you doing? I don't know if you wanted me to clap, but nah, I'm it's all good. You I'm good, man. Can't complain. Um, just for the viewers to know that we are best friends. So if we go on little side chats, that's oh, just. We met before? Oh, okay. We met before. <laughs> all right. You know, I don't. I, don't, I want to keep it as authentic as possible. So. But, you know, I figured, I think what you do is such an amazing discipline that, and I do a certain discipline too, that it's cool to talk about that. It all starts from the form of writing. So I guess my first question is, what is your, what guided you into music? Was it the beat first? Was it the melody? Or was it like hearing somebody say something that was impactful? Hmm. Well, for me, I was my first, you know, recollection of like noticing music because, you know, as a kid, it's like a certain age kicks in where it's like now you start realizing what's happening around you. For me, I want to say that was like, I was like eight or nine and it was Spanish music and definitely like the music. It was like certain songs that would come on. And it's like, because my father's friends were, you know, usually around because he ran a store. So, you know, we would be in the store and they, that, it was one of those like Spanish bodegas, you know, like the yeah. music is on and everything. So it was certain songs I always noticed people were like, like as soon as it turned on, they would come alive. And that's when I realized, you know, even though I couldn't even understand really what was being said, that the words were important, the rhythm was important because you would just hear all the ladies like top of their lungs scre um, scre screaming out these certain lines. That's when you realize like, all right, there's something that's being said there that's very important. Even though I can't understand it, I can see the expressions. So it was that, it was really the mix of the beat and, the, and noticing that words were impacting people. And then I realized it was important. And that's when I got into poetry around nine. And that then led me into making music, but it was really first just the words and with, with the mix of noticing how music was affecting people. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So when was the first time you felt like you can write something that was impactful for people? Uh, I was writing stuff, you know, everybody wanted to be uh, whatever they was looking at on 106 Park, you know, right. so <laughs> I was writing stuff. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't really think it was obviously I thought I was the main, right? You think I'm writing the best stuff and then you get older, you look at those notebooks, you go, oh, what was I talking about? But um, long story short, it was just, I want to say maybe at 14, I realized what I said actually meant something. But before that, I was writing. But it was 14 where I felt like, oh, wow, like these words are moving people. And it was a poem that I had written that was in a gallery. Mm. So I guess another question I have is, uh... What got it? What what got you into the career? Was it more of your pops like being into music, or was it your mom probably the music she was into? Like, which parent you think you get your music influence from? If there is a parent for you, so is it what is it what guided me, or is it more so which parent? Which guided you, and like is which music? Which parent? Cause I think every parent has a different music palette. So like, which parent of music style kind of guided you? I guess. For me, that's a, a long winded, I mean, I'm a long winded person, but the way I see it, I see what guided me into music was, you know, I just thought they were the coolest people, right? The people who were making music. But right. then when, if I think about it in the sense of parents, my father was way more musically inclined. He was actually playing the different instruments, like really percussion based instruments. And it was always around in our house or in his store where there was like almost like these jam sessions. Like people are like grabbing rockers, shakers. Um, um, they got different bongos and congos and the cowbells. And I basically from him is how I seen it. But really my mom's music I could understand. It was in English. 
I wasn't that well spoken in Spanish, still not to this day. So I saw him and I loved the way it looked. But then I heard my mom's music and and I could understand the words. And it actually, you know, it meant more hearing it because I could like, you know, make sense of the the arc in the song and the story of the of the song versus my father. I couldn't I couldn't understand that. All I could tell was the music and how it looked. It's so cool to see the musicians yeah. playing together and everything. So it's like you got the the soul part of your of your pops listening to his music and then like understanding the beats of a measure with words from from kind of your mom's music when that was being played. Yeah, kind of, they kind of both overlapped. It was kind of like literally both things happened from both, but right. it was really the words on my mom's side because my mom played music less. But when mm. she played it, I understood it more. That's like my household too. My dad's music was playing more than my mom would ever play. But if there was a jam that she liked from my pops, she'll sing it to the point where she'll have no tune and everything. Like it didn't matter if she knew the, the song. Same like. thing. I think men have that um, control of the remote, like the, the control <laughs> of the remote. And it's like, that kind of goes with everything. Like music, yeah. TV is like, they just control the speaker or whatever's going on. Right. Let me see, I have a few other questions, but I guess, so what is your writing process since this is basically about writer to writer and, and your form of writing, what's your writing process? Well, it varies, right? Because I have times where I'll write things and it'll just like lines or messages pop in my head or even subject matter where I want to just write it. No beat, nothing, no flow, no idea where this will go or if anybody will ever even hear it. So I just want to get it out. And that happens a lot of the time. And for the music that actually gets released, I never write like that. It's always to beat. If it doesn't have a beat already, it probably will never be heard. So poetry based things never makes it out. It kind of just helps me sharpen my sword. And then, um, but for me, if I'm writing, well, the music is what comes out. So when I'm writing the music, it's always beat first. Then I usually need a concept, something to, you know, keep me in the lines because it's almost like being too open and too free, there's too many options for me. And right. the way my brain works, there's too many options, so I won't. It's almost like analysis paralysis. It's like I got too much to think about, so I won't write anything. I right. need to know, like, what are we talking about? Is there a story here? And then that helps me write. You think that deals with um, your zodiac sign? Because I was <laughs> just out of boredom. Like, air signs is Aquarius, Gemini, and um, Libra. And like, those signs, I feel like you have so many thoughts going through your mind in a day. It's like you got to find one to focus on if you're going to be a creative and like, figure out what you really want to talk about is that do you think that it just plays with your natural personality i guess is what i'm asking you yeah i don't i don't know so much about zodiac and, and astrology me neither. But <laughs> if, i mean if you're saying it i believe it because it sounds like me yeah i'm one of those people i kind of analyze everything and if i'm starting a new endeavor i kind of like like to see the finish line before i even take the first step doesn't mean i need to know everything that's going to take place, but I like to have an end goal in mind. I like to know where I'm going and then I could like start start moving towards it. Yeah, I don't know how much is true, but they say like those signs are like air signs. So you're like, you're thinking from the head up of like, just like a manifestation, like logically of what you want to accomplish for the day. But if you have 20 different things, then you might get stuck on just thinking of the 20 different things to accomplish oh, rather yeah, than, that's, than doing it. right now, for sure. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I didn't know that's what it was. I've heard that I, um, air sound, but that sounds like me. Okay. So is there a specific formula for making a hit or is it just a good beat will, will lead you to a hit, you feel like, if it comes to music? Um, I think... I think music is interesting because it's all objective and there's so many times where you hear something and you go, oh, I don't like that that much. And then for some reason, it's, it starts to stick with other people. Mm -hmm. And then you realize like everybody likes this, but you just can't understand, right? Like I, or like a book or whatever it is. You're like, why does everybody like this? You know, I, try, I tried it for myself. I listened to it. I read it. I watched it and it doesn't stick. So I just think it doesn't stick for you, but for, you could tell that it's a hit to the world. And right. that's when you realize like there's almost no formula. There's no, you know, clear cut way to do anything. It's more like go to spirit and hopefully it'll connect with other people who are right. in, line, in alignment with what you want. So 
when it comes to music, obviously a good rhythm normally gets people going. But as we see, there's plenty of fluff. There's people who try to do like cool like beats or, or ride a wave like EDM. EDM was so like based on the music that it became cliche the way the, the, the rhythm was, the people singing like these words that almost seem like they're so deep, they don't mean anything. Like, I just woke up, the stars, it's like all these weird right. stuff. <laughs> so you realize like there's there's like normal things that kind of take place and it become, you know, common to make a hit. But then it's also like any and anything could could, could go. Like, so absolutely more, more art than science then for that to you, at least that's from yeah, the approach. I, I agree. I think is is definitely a more of an art subjective based thing, and it could be anything that for some reason goes one day. It just I think also there's a synergy. Like when you hear a really good song, especially one that you would consider a good song, not what everyone else is telling you is good. It sometimes you realize like I like a country song, or I like this pop song, I like this reggae song, I like this rap, I even like this rock song. So you realize. It doesn't even matter sometimes the genre, what it sounds like, because every one of those songs have a thousand different elements in it that the other one doesn't, and they all are hit records or things that you love. That's true. So where do you find your ideas for new songs? Even though I know you write in a group with your brothers most of the time, so. Well, with us is it's normally like a, you know, Sometimes it's a back and forth. Sometimes one particular member is starting a song and then we all kind of fall in alignment and we add to it or we have words or a top line. So we'll have one main phrase, right? Like, let's just say like the song you mentioned earlier, I won't let you down, right? Mm -hmm. That is a very general and specific idea, right? Because obviously we're talking about a relationship, but it becomes general in a sense, who am I saying I won't let you down to? So that's kind of how those processes work out. It's like, oh, well, I hear it as I'm talking to my girlfriend. Brother might think he's talking to his to his closest friend, and it's like, or or John, my my youngest brother might think, oh, he's talking to the world, and that he's gonna put out his best music. He won't let them down. He's talking to the fans. So those topics kind of just like swirl up, and maybe it's specific, but then we all take it our own way. Right. It's like family gumbo at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. Does writing energize you or exhaust you? I know when I write, starting it is energizing, but like in the middle, if I don't feel like I'm getting enough out of the characters or if I'm writing from not the right place, it can it can very much exhaust me. It's, it's exactly what you said. It's one of those things, it's like, it's like a workout. One day you feel like you killed it at the end of the workout and the next day it's like, you feel like at the first 10 minutes, it's like, I ain't gonna finish this workout. Right. So it's like the same thing <laughs> with writing because it's like, I'll have an idea. I think with writing, it's, it's more like trying to find, you know, that point you were trying to get to. Sometimes you're like free writing. You don't even really know where it's going. Yeah. But there is a moment in there where you feel like, oh, this is clicking. And when you feel like it's clicking, you're excited, it pushes you to keep going. But sometimes that click never happens. And that's when you get exhausted because you're writing, it's coming out, you're spewing it all. And then it's like out of nowhere, it's just like, all right, I can't keep pushing myself because I'm hoping to get to a peak in this mountain where I can feel like I, I'm reinvigorated, I did something. Yeah. And it didn't happen. So then you're like, I need a break. I I got to stop this. So it, that's how it normally works for me. For me, it's more like if I know my beginning and my ending of a, of a chapter for a book, then I can find my way through the maze of like the middle and like the different parts that makes it, I guess, a plot. But you don't want to necessarily always set up a plot where it's predictable. So I'd rather just kind of go with the flow of the characters of not knowing it all the time. Is it the same way for you? Like maybe it's like two bars of the beginning and you know how you might want to end it with like, your final four and then like the in-between is what you're trying to navigate or is it differently from your writing approach? That happens, that happens all the time. It's like- Are those mainly your best verses when it happens like that? Sorry. It's, it's, every, it's both. Sometimes I'll write with no idea what I'm write and it comes together. Sometimes it's like, all right, this is the message and I'm gonna stick in this. I'm gonna find 15 lines or well, obviously 16 if it's bars. 16 lines that go with this message so well. So then that helps you work backwards. Like, how do I go into this message? Yeah. 16 lines that lead up to like a really good crescendo. And 
I like what you said about the beginning and middle. I mean, the, the beginning and end, and then you figure out the maze, because I think that's kind of how it is for me. I like to have one really good opening line, and sometimes the opening line changes, but like, and I'll explain it in a second, but I like to have a good opening line with the ending in mind, meaning I know where this needs to go. I don't know the line yet, but I know like, oh, this has to be like the subject matter and the way to close it. Right. I don't same. know what way I'm going to put those words, but then that first line is normally how I like just start. I start layering it like a game of Tetris. I need one really good first block in the right place and it kind of opens up. It's kind of like when Jay-Z says grand opening, grand closing. It's like grand opening with the whatever the first chapter, your first line is, and then the ending, you got to know it has to be grand enough where either you want them wanting more or they wish that there was more at the end of whatever you just said. Exactly. And the other thing I didn't get to mention is sometimes, like you said, if you're right, a line here, right, a line there, sometimes my first four lines end up in the middle somewhere because... Mm. You, you, you'll write your stuff out and you realize, oh, this feels a little flat or these lines are so strong, I maybe should start with something else to lead into them. So that's kind of like you end up rearranging things. Sorry. Um, just, let me look through my notes. I had, I had so many questions. It's just, you know, since I know you, it's hard to just, I feel like you answered them so well already. What are some of the latest books that you've um, you've read? Because I know you're, you're an avid reader now. So like, what are some of the books that you've read that's fiction or maybe just nonfiction? Well, for, for me, I always like, you know, do it yourself, self-improvement type of um, books. And in the beginning of the year, I started strong. I was reading a good amount of books. I read everything from Russ's book. I don't remember the title. That's another thing. I'm not good with titles. I can tell you who probably wrote it or sometimes the title and not who wrote it. So I know Russ's book. I read it. Oh, you gave me that book, right? Yeah, I did. Um, it's um, it's all in your mind. How'd you feel about it? Because I, I actually listened to that instead of reading. I liked it. And I liked it because another book and another person I like is Napoleon, Napoleon Hill. And he actually has a lot of books that I've been actually discovering recently. And the way I discover is because I have Audible. And Audible is probably my favorite way to take in books because I think I have ADD. So I just can't sit still all the time or I kind of like, you know, get that mental fatigue where it's like, all right, my mind is wandering and I write a few pages, I'm off, right? And you never mm -hmm. get that motivation to come back to it. But with Audible, even if my mind is wandering and I didn't hear something, right? Or I zoned out for like five minutes of it, I can just quick rewind. Yeah. I could press rewind and it's almost like a is an easier, you know, barrier of entry because you do just press play. You know, if if you ignore it, you ignore it. But when you're reading a book, you can't think about other things. Or you're gonna be there reading that same line a hundred times. So I really like Napoleon's Hills work that are on um Audible. But the other books I like was the four agreement book that um also you let me. I know there's four of them. I, I read one, don't remember which one, and I read I the, the beginning of a second I think you one. did The Mastery of Love is probably the other that one you started. Right. Yeah. That sounds right. I love the, the messages in there. And normally I don't remember books. I always just take all these concepts in. So while I know I read the book, I couldn't tell you everything verbatim that was in the book. Obviously, I don't think yeah. anyone else could. Um, another book I really enjoyed was I Love the Alchemist. Oh, man. The Alchemist, Alchemist is amazing. And it's almost too cliche because these are books you hear about, everyone, everyone talk about, but yeah. there was something about the alchemist, that story. So really, if you listen to which ones I'm saying, right? Napoleon Hill, uh, The Four Agreements, Russes, I think it was called- um, It's all in my mind. It's all in my mind. Yeah. These are books that are really based on manif manifestation. And also going down your path and you know, knowing that it'll unfold the way you want it. And that's right. kind of like my whole, you know, approach of what I, li I listen to, read. So those are those are the favorite ones. And another book I really like was, I believe is Unshakable or Unbreakable by Tony Robbins. Like, damn, what is, I think it's Unshake, Unbreakable? It rhymes. So it's one of those, but that book was really good because it was a lot of financial advice. And that's something mm -hmm. I love to learn about. Those are the things I'm like trying to improve on currently in my life. So. Those are the right. books I remember the most, even though I don't remember the titles. 
<laughs> no, what I like about the alchemist, the alchemist, people forget to realize that the author is not American. So they have to translate the book. So for him to write it in a way that it was still being able to be translated so simply in America made me feel like I could write too. And then I made me realize I don't have to write on such a grand scale to feel like I'm an author. So I was able to write mm -hmm. simplistically along the way you get your story across is all that matters. And that book showed me that. And that's what encouraged me to actually try to write The Dreamer, the book called 22 when it came out. So that's, so I think that's absolutely true. It's like, it's just a great book overall, though it sounds cliche. It's just about finding one's journey. And sometimes the journey is already within you. It's not even always about going out to seek it. So like just, all of those messages in that book is very amazing. Mm -hmm. And even what you said about, you know, simplicity versus the complexity. Um, I tried to read One Up on Wall Street and that book, or even, um, what was it? The 22 Investors or whatever the title was. I got the book still sitting there. Um, those books, for some reason, I was tuning out, right? They were using all these big words of, you know, the investment terminology. And while it's good to learn those things. If I don't know any of them, it's giving me all the biggest words in the world is like right over my head. That's what I liked about Tony Robbins book because he even refers to those books, right? Mm -hmm. But he's simplifying it, simplifying it. And one of the things I've heard is if somebody can't explain something to you in a simple way, then they probably don't know it themselves. And that's why they have to dress it up in a big word. So right. it's well, all about story and information. Right, true. My process is, it's like, back in the day, newspapers was only on a third to seventh grade reading level, and the most of a New York Journal is eighth grade. So it's like, why would I write past that if I'm trying to reach a broad audience of people wherever they are intellectually, or whoever has time for it? So it's like, you shouldn't overwrite your, your audience that you're trying to reach, but you should write it enough where at least the concepts are much past that and, and more mature than than probably the, the format of what you're writing. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So that's kind of another tip, I guess, for, for writers out there. So who's your favorite artist of all time and why? I'm sure there's a few songs that are probably your favorite of all time, but like, who's the artist that most of his collection you can probably, or her collection you can go back to often? I guess, my default has always been Jay-Z. And even as you, you word it like that, right? Like, oh, whose collection you could most likely go back and listen to and enjoy is Jay-Z's because, you know, just like anything else, I kind of tune out on certain projects or songs. It's just not my style, but Jay-Z overall. Okay. Is there a reason why? Is it his lyrics and like his storytelling in some of the, the lyrics or? I thought Jay-Z was the coolest. So even when I was young, before I actually understood anything, because I also remember like listening to uh, the Black Album. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a well, that's not the first time I heard him, obviously. I was listening to Jay-Z. I remember Big Pepper came out, which I know is probably not the best example, but I was like, <laughs> it was like 2000, Big Pepper came out. It was the coolest thing ever. Um, I remember him before. I remember I bought the Backstage DVD, 1999. And... Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was those little, it was just kept creeping into my life. Jay-Z was really, for some reason, you know, there was music coming out all the time, but he just kept getting me. He kept winning me over to the point where I actually was old enough to really know what he was even talking about. And that's when I realized like, oh, that's why. Besides me not even liking or understanding every word that he was saying, when I got older, I realized he, there was a, a method to his manners. He was a genius with his approach. And yeah. then his words were, were crazier to the point when I was older. Now I get to hear things to this day. I hear new things in Jay-Z rhymes that I did not understand because I didn't know the country he was in. He probably mentioned a, a country or, or, or a province in Italy or, or Europe, and I didn't know what he was talking about. So right. as I get older, I hear it better. No, that makes sense. And I, the reason probably why the Black Album is because we were like 14. So that's the age where you probably listening to music while you're walking to school more often and things like that. So it makes sense of why that would probably be like one of the albums you remember most of, of you listening to often, for sure. Yeah, no, the reason I brought that one up is because I remember buying that album and I remember skimming through it quickly because I was like, ah, oh, what is this? This sucks. This is like, I was I was looking for like those first, like, you know, quick melodies that the drums knocking like instant. And I was trying to listen to it for like 10 seconds. Ah, next one, ah. Eh. 
like that's not my vibe. Then as I, I tried again like a month later, I remember. And I really just sat there and I played it and I was like, yo, this is incredible. Like I've been sitting on this album and I ignored it. And then Fades of Black came out and it was over. I watched Fades of Black every morning just to see into the process of how he made that album. Right. No, that's dope. Every morning. So I want to get into some of your lyrics. Um, what do you feel is probably your most impactful when it comes to the music you've you've written and, and you've put out to the world? Like you mean a specific song? Um, just like maybe four to six bars. I don't have to be the whole thing, but like where you was like, I hope hopefully people got this within this song, even though it was probably meant for entertainment use. But like this moment here was something I was proud of putting out. I always have lines that I think are really cool and could be made into, you know, a whole song where it's more in depth. But like I, you know, I always try to throw nuggets in there because our style isn't Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, um what I definitely remember was a song from like three years ago. It was called Straight Ground, it was on a Drake beat, it was actually a freestyle. But um I said certain lines in it that was key. So one of them was um fit out fit out make and be the same, stand out, make no, change. Like, I'll stay the same. Stand out, make change, but just understand the game because either way you're insane. So even with that alone, I'm trying to, you know, make sense. It's in a simple way, I'm saying a complex idea. Of, no, of course. Yeah, you're kind of like, you could pick two ways. And even if, if you want to like, you know, just stay under the radar, be the same as everyone else. Or if you want to stand out, if you just want to stand out, Either way, it's like there's someone just telling you like you suck for it, right? It's like right. you suck, you suck if you just you know you play safe, and you suck if you're doing something that they don't understand. So that's why I said so. Just understand the game, because either way you're insane. If you move different, you're lame. But moving different makes lanes. And even to that, those two lines right there is like in reference to like someone like um like like Little Wayne when he started skateboarding. People were like in the beginning it was weird. It's like, what is he doing? Like right. he's losing it. And <laughs> oh, people like Kanye West, right? People like Kanye West. They get ridiculed hard when they try something different, you know. But then it's like the idea of, you know, um, what is it, mere exposure or the familiar familiarity um, you know, idea, which is just People get used to something, and that's what that's what that's what becomes their most liked thing. And it's not because it's like the best; it's just they get used to it. So when you try to do something different, people hate it. So like, look at Lil Wayne; people hate skateboarding, and then he ends up, you know, bringing a, another world into you know the urban community. Like to see a kid skateboarding in the hood right now is not weird. I right. remember growing up, and that was very weird. Um, so if you move different you are lame but moving different makes lanes at first they all hate change until the change makes change so i'm saying in a sense you know everybody's going to ridicule you but once they see you making money it's like oh that boy a genius and everybody wants to everybody wants to jump on that bandwagon they can't see the vision sometimes until it's carried out until it's a completed storyline i don't know if did i say anything else after that (laughs) I think oh, I think yeah. that was yeah. You probably had a few more. That was a section of it that I I felt like the message was really strong, even though it was you done it with simple words, like we said earlier. Right. Simple. If you can't communicate it in a simple way, you can't communicate it. Right. Basically, that's so true. So, do you have any questions for me before we close up? And on my writing process and stuff. Of course. So I. I always wonder, right? Like I, I, I know, like to pick out ideas is kind of it's difficult. There's so mm-hmm. many ideas in this world. How do you know what to write about, and how do you know if it's the right idea, right? Because I know you probably want to be innovative, but you also want to stay within what people will understand. How do you pick your ideas? Well, I think the idea starts with whatever the character is, and that's usually like. I guess I call it a download from spirit or a download from God. And then from there, you can only tell seven different stories. Like 
which people don't realize, but you could really only tell seven. So I was like, then I'll choose the format of the seven. And then from there, start to execute. So for my new book that I have coming out, We Were Kids from the Cosmos, I just wanted to tell a, a beautiful relationship about kids growing up and losing their way of their relationship as kids and then maybe finding themselves again as an adult. So how do I do that in a simplistic form, but it's like still deep within the things? It's like the kid, the the protagonist, that's the, the boy basically teaches the girl little moments of law of attraction. So then the chapters are all based off of like the different laws of attraction and the different things of like vibrations. And, and so those are like the chapter names, but it's more about boy meets girl, boy loses a girl, boy tries to find girl. Those stories will always be the same. They don't change. You can't. It's like, it's basically format. It's formulaic that way in books where it's like, if you know your formula, you could just change certain parts of the middle, but your results will always mostly be the same. Mm-hmm. So it's like, once you find out your formula of how to write it, once you figure out your main character and you get your, your download or whatever to inspire you to write the, the, the initial thoughts of the character from there, it's more of just creating the scenarios within the book. Now, yeah, thanks for dropping those gems because I, you know, I tend to be able to predict movies. And I, I know I tell my girlfriend this all the time. It's like, you know, it starts you like, where is this going? And I, I instantly tell, all right, I already see it. Like, Five, 10 minutes in, I'm like, all right, he's going to meet this one. This is going to happen. They're going to lose each other, this and that. I can tell you the arcs of a story. So I, what you're saying is so true because you see movies are very similar just with like little changes in them, you know, right. to make it more for a certain audience. And what I also want to know is how do you think forward enough to be able to come up with the dialogue, right? Because you are thinking for multiple people, literally in the way they think, you have to decide how they will respond to something another character did. How do you come up with that? And how do you know how to navigate that? I think sometimes it's, um, you can record yourself and just talk in two different voices so you can at least see how it will play off. And then from there, maybe kind of take the, the, the words from there and then put it inside of a certain topic if it's important or, I would try to write out a flow of how I need the conversation to go to get into my next narrative point. And then from there, I can readjust some of the words if they talk in a certain slang compared to a different region of the country or something like that. And since I do screenwriting, it's kind of like you kind of just play off both. So you'll think of like, all right, this chapter I have to you know, they have to have a fight somehow because the arc of the story is that they're going to like separate and then realize that they need each other again, right? Let's, let's just say that's the scenario. Is right. that normally how you think of a chapter and then you dialogue it out? Well, I think of a chapter, well, f- to, for me to feel like I gave the reader everything they needed in a chapter, I just follow the basic things that we learned as kids, like the five W's and H. Who are the characters that's going through this moment? Where are they? When? Why? And how? Did this, how did this come about? So that's kind of like, I try to follow that within each chapter of like the smaller stories that leads into the bigger stories of, of all the answers that a reader will want answered. So I kind of just follow that formula so I don't overthink it and I'm not writing just to write to make myself have an ego as a writer and make sure I'm telling the story first. Okay, do you ever think of like a title of a book and then you make it make sense? Yeah, I think that happened with my first book, like just the whole idea, you either go for it or you don't. So like, that's the whole idea of a catch 22, damn if you do, damn if you don't. So me saying the boy who caught it was more of me saying, I'm going to obtain this by just going for it. Like there's no ways around it once I complete the, the, the objective or whatever the character main goal was. So I think so you, you definitely title some, well, sometimes the download is the, is the title of a book, right? So if that's the title of the book, it's like, all right, well, what's the, how do I make it all make sense from the beginning and the end? And then I'll figure out the middle. So, so is that most of the time we do it or is it reverse sometimes with dialogue well, and then you have the title there at the end? For, the, for my crime series, I was like, it would be dope if I like was able to do like somewhat of prehistoric history of like changing it and then going into a future moment. So with um, Mega Evers, who's a civil rights leader, he was assassinated by Byron De, De La Beckwith. So I imagined if he never got assassinated, like, and if he got a chance to 
get accepted to the law school that he applied for, what would his life be? His, he probably would have started a new family trend of becoming lawyers. So from there, it's like, all right, so who's the lawyer after maybe just his regular son will be his great grandson? And what, what would be some of the things he would fight for? So then it's like, it just starts to just going through a snowball of different moments of the things he would fight for, the reason why he would color outside the lines for justice and different things like that. So it's like- That's incredible. I feel like I'm saying it's so simple, but it, it, it does take more time of me just sitting down by myself and being a, lone, a lonely wolf somewhere, just sticking all this out. But like, that's kind of like how it goes. No, yeah, but the idea like, that 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 thought of like what would happen if this person you know time wasn't cut short that's an insane concept right so but i wouldn't have had that concept if it wasn't for like the age of 12 me going to a black history class all those years in my in my neighborhood right so it's like you'd be surprised where like your childhood downloads uh, the things you have to do mm -hmm. come back downloaded to you as an adult that you have to now deal with or figure out for like whatever you want to do so it's like the traumas yeah. you deal with, you can use in, in great storytelling. Like it's just different things of, your family could always become a character in some ways just because of like something that they might've done that although you're past it, it's like, it still haunts you somehow. And you got to use that in your creative ways to, to become a great storyteller, I think. Do you do that where like you take note of like things that happen around you, like the <clears throat> those random situations of like, you know, the way somebody tripped over something and, you know, like the way they bruised their eye before like, uh, let's say if, if in a movie or a book, someone's supposed to like look like they were just um, in a fight and that's how it looks when they walk into the room, but then they have to explain it with a weird, you know, situation. Yeah. Those things actually happen when you watch a movie and you're like, there's no way. And it's like, no, that probably really happened to somebody. Do you? Right download those moments and write them down like then put them in a book later on not on purpose like i don't write them out but if i remember a moment then i like it makes me start thinking of every little moment before that one moment happened so like and like kids of the diaspora one of my books that i've released recently um i basically talk about how like this kid goes to college and like basically He's about to have sex with like an interracial, well, a different woman of, 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 of who's white. And she basically calls him out of his name, calling him Endic. And it's like, <laughs> that's something that's truly happened before. Like not necessarily to me, but it's happened. And like, yeah. and when you hear those stories, it's believable because you, especially if you were there, it's like, okay, I could see that happening because it's like, you're kind of become like an experiment in that moment. So it's like, how do I explain that to the reader? It's like, he didn't want it for like an experiment, even though it would have been a joyful moment for him. So it's like, those are the things I'm trying to bring out and on paper that like might've happened in actual life. So it's just like different scenarios like that where I would hold on to them and then I would reuse them and repurpose them. So, yeah, because sometimes, you know, you go through things and you're like, if I told somebody this right now, they wouldn't believe me. Right, like, right. It, like this is the stuff that you see in a movie when somebody's like going through the craziest day, and it's like sometimes that stuff isn't made up. So I was just wondering if you remember those things or you write it down on purpose. You like, I have to put this in some book somewhere. Well, now I do. Now that I'm older, but like my first seven books were all like just things that I've always just, I guess held on to without realizing I was holding on to it. So now I'm probably now I've taken more notes of like, all right, this would be a good moment inside of a story if I ever need it. So like mm. now that I'm like, I feel like I've written so much that it's like I have to experience a little bit more now to like write more. So especially now that I'm gonna have 14 books like out and ready. So like that's gonna be on pre-order seven, seven books. Um, even though this is gonna be filmed after this comes out, but yeah, I'm gonna have seven books out on pre-order. So therefore, it's you know uh, yeah so you know i'm just trying to, i'm setting myself up like that so i could take a break from writing and just like reading and just just you know getting more back in touch with me like i feel like i've given so much now it's time to recalibrate a little bit so that's kind of what i'm focusing on once i get ready to release those things so it's the best way you got to live life a little bit to write about it right well, that read, connect, yeah, yeah. For some reason, reading just makes you a better writer. So I just want to read a lot more, especially after a book that you gave me from Stephen King. He reads seventy to eighty books a year. So me reading my little twenty to twenty five wow. ain't 
ain't quite cutting it, you know? So it's like, I want to take the time to, wow. to catch up. It's a lot of books. Yeah. What is that? That's like almost, that's like one, basically every five days you read a book. Yeah, but for him, it's like clockwork, right? He doesn't have to do a nine to five job along with writing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but it's it's ways around that, right? Now we have audibles. So he says now that there's audibles and different audiobooks, he does about 10 to 12 a year of just that. But the rest is just strictly him reading pen to paper early in the morning and then before he goes to bed. So it's like, you know, if you set up a schedule, you you I'll be able to to do that if I wanted to. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you have to stay inspired. You have to in indirectly you're sharpening your sword because while you're not, you know, it's like Kobe watching game tape. You know, while yeah. I'm not out on the court performing it, I'm absorbing someone else's moves or how they defended it. So no, that's that's intriguing. Right. So basically I want to be the mamba mentality of writing. So like, it's like, if I can easily, like I did seven books within 18 months. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like, I can, I think I earned the, the time just to, to recalibrate and then maybe do another seven to 10 in about 2022. It's not going to feel like I've never released a book like that because you're going to have so much mm-hmm. content out there. So it's just about recalibrating so I can rev up my engine again to, to go on the run that I just did. And I already have those ideas, right? But I already have those ideas outlined. It's just about me taking the time to execute them. So it's just want to, you know, just recalibrate before I I go in to do that. Because writing is such a a process where you don't want to feel like you're exhausted and you're not putting your head across the table because you didn't give yourself enough time just to to kind of step out of it, but still be in it. So it's like I can't always write, right? Kobe can't always be on the court, but he can always watch film. There's other things you could do to still sharpen up. So that's just kind of what I'm taking. So you already have storylines or titles waiting. Yeah, I have five more books already ready for me to write whenever I'm ready to sit down and do it. And I think me reading more would just sharpen up my tools. So at least the reader will know the difference in my skill set from what I'm about to release to the coming up in the next two or three years. No, that makes sense. You you're basically taking on the concept concept of blocking where you, you know, you bunch everything in so that way you stay in a certain, well, it's also set the concept of flow where you stay within a certain mindset and a certain uh, approach so that way you can flow through your block of time where it's like 18 months, I didn't do nothing else, you know, obviously tons, but nothing else that, you know, would take my attention away so much from writing. So you were right. able to really reach a certain like, level of performance that you wouldn't have if you only wrote a book one once per year took breaks and it would throw you off right but a book so shouldn't fun. take you more than three months I though implement more that mm-hmm. so a book shouldn't take you more than three months because it's like if you write two thousand words a day for maybe three months if you want to you'll have a lot of words but it's like if you want to tell a great story you don't probably need that much time so like you could probably write a good book with 30 to 50 Especially when you're independent, nobody knows you. You don't want to overwrite with all where they're like, "Yo, I don't even know you to like take my time out of my data to read all this." So it all varies on all what you what your goal is to like execute and like what to show the audience for sure. So yeah. So, so to end off the a podcast, unless you have any more questions. No, I just want to say, you know. I value writing beyond, you know, books and and music because people don't think about all the forms of writing there is, like even yeah. in comedy-based writing. And I remember going to see Dave Chappelle at a stand-up and he was explaining how sometimes he likes the challenge of he'll put a punchline in the bowl and he'll just grab out a punchline one day and, and have to make the joke that leads up to that punchline. And he did wow. it in front of us where he told us the punchline of a joke. And he was like, watch how that's still going to be funny. So then, you know, he goes through his stuff and he's delivering a bunch, bunches of little jokes, but it's a storyline. And then it ends up being the punchline he said, and he's going through such a long joke that you forget that he ever mentioned this punchline. So when he delivers it, it's that much funnier. And that's one wow. of those things I just enjoy about 
all the different ways people write because Dave Chappelle is a writer. And, you know, people won't give people like Dave Chappelle the credit because it's not in the, you know, the usual form of um, books. Even when it comes to rap, people don't really give people like Jake, um, J. Cole, Jay-Z the credit because they don't consider it, you know, authorship. But they're no, right. But that's they're why I writing. wanted to to have you on and, and certain music artists on because some lyrics are very potent that I don't think, I think sometimes the beat will over mask what's actually being said of what they were really feeling at the time. I say it all the time because when it comes to rap, people have like the, you know, preconceived notion of like what these guys are about, what they, what they speak about, what they represent. But if you really just, you know, take your feelings out of it and if there are professors who study rap because Within rap, the, the similes, the onomatopoeia, the, the embellishments, the way, like, there's so much, like, pushed into short form content where these guys are, like, writing the deepest, like, what people like about, you know, soliloquies and, uh, uh, or, or what's the, the haikus, and there's so many various ways of writing styles. Rappers have to put that in a two minute, a three minute song and they have to bring you across the whole journey where it's, sometimes it's harder to condense so much information right. into, into a little song. And they do it where every word is valuable. And if you change one word in a sentence, it'll throw off everything I just said. So I have to right. nail in every word. So that's one of those things I love about rap and it's cool that people are studying it. Shout out to you for actually caring about rap and understanding the importance of the writing that they bring to the table. No, well, thank you for even, you know, being a guest and being able to do this. I greatly appreciate it. Um, so quote of the week okay. is from Ray Charles and it says, I never wanted to be famous. I only wanted to be great. And I think that's something that all creatives, especially in the writing space need to focus on. It's, it's not about the fame. The fame will come naturally if you're great at your art. So that's something that I'm aspiring to not care about the recognition of people as long as they they retrieve what I'm trying to give out there into the world. Um, yeah. And lyrics of the week will be from my my dear friend and my guest today, H. Billy. Um, I want to say this is the song you released when you were thirty. Uh, the title is. I'm still 30, don't, don't push it out there like if I'm 40 now. I'm still 30. <laughs> That's true. We want to tell the you people mean, the name of the song yeah, before was, I read the lyrics? Yeah, so it was actually, it was a song I released on my birthday, uh, my 30th birthday, and I did like a video because I also create videos. So, and I also mix and master music. So I, the week- And you make your own beats. 30, and I made own, and I made my own beat. So the week leading up to my 30th birthday, I was like, I want to do something. And I came up with the idea of releasing the song. And then I said, like, why not make the video? And then I kind of made a lyric video out of it by having my words at the bottom. And I, and this song I never wrote it down until I had to write down the lyrics to put it on my video because I literally just not a freestyle, but I kept piecing it together in my mind and rap a few lines so that's so a, a, a lot of punching in and out like a yeah punching in and out like four lines at a time and really it was just it, it kind of had no direction in the beginning it was just like let me start with a line and that was unusual for me but if you listen to it it becomes you know thematic in a sense which is my approach even if i didn't have a theme in the beginning so usually what i do is recite the lyrics and then at the end um on the Spotify format or the other audios will play the actual beat with it. So if you don't okay. mind, I'm gonna read some of the lyrics and then from there put the verse down if you don't mind. Okay. We ain't friends if I never hit the bank with ya. I've been picking up these bags like I hate litter. Too many goals, couldn't count them on my 10 fingers, nine figures, but that's something <laughs> that you ain't figured. No sitter, ain't nobody came around to play with ya. In my own lane, I ain't here this race with ya. You do you want to read it? Because it's your song. You're actually here. So if you want to continue. 
the flow so alive that I became a grave digger for any rapper trying to step inside my way, kill him. Wasn't riding in the hoop, you can't sit in the wraith with us. Ironic how it words, all I do is paint pictures. Wait until you old enough to see your friends switch up. Wasn't trying to buy a bull, so I had to say scriptures. Amen. God bless. Couldn't stay abreast with me, got it off of my chest. Had the ex fakes really tell me why I stressed. They was catching Z's on me, so I end the alphabet. Don't be trying to write letters. You ain't got to say Jack. I was stabbed in the back. Now y'all want to give pats? This ain't will of fortune. My will, I force it. Because my truth, I live it. It's real, I talk it. We just work like intern and, and live like bosses. Celebrate all my wins. Reveal my losses. Because there's kids out there studying my every move. If I don't show that I fail, then they think I never do. I'd rather be the one. Doesn't mean I'm never two. Set the fail if you copy, but there ain't a better you. That's how you grew. Don't be scared to ever lose. When you coming from the bottom, then the top's a better view. Ain't nothing new, just let them watch. They'd rather watch us on the news. They hate and call us animals. They want us locked up like a zoo. They, um, they gentrify the hood, but we not about to move. We just buying property. We play Monopoly with you. And my father came from Cuba. Fidel locked him over views. He could never go back. That's how the fam I never knew. And when my sister said she pregnant, I was scared what she'll go through. Now we feeling super blessed to know the family finally grew. Won't let my niece grow up alone, so I'm going to give a cousin soon. We was in an old slump. Now we feeling all renewed. We had to give up pain. We too busy loving you. Our family finally peaceful, and it's all because of you. That was pretty long. <laughs> It was, but I don't care. That was like some very amazing lyrics where I used to listen to that like for like a whole month straight with like no hesitation. Just not only because I know you, but like I think the lyrics it just holds true for anybody that's ever been through something. So yeah, I want to thank you for taking like, the time to even want to write that because I know those moments like that is very unpersonable and it's hard for me even in my books when some of it's non-fiction that's becoming fiction just to even want to put it down because I don't want to know what's feeling type of way that I, I genuinely care about so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. thank you <laughs> so I want to say thank you again to H. Billy and this is Writer to a Writer y'all have a good day